0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one, and it's touchdown, this time going deep for Beckham Jr., can he,
2: catch it? he did! Hello everyone, welcome back once again to roto His Overtime on roto Radio, my name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners over at roto and thankfully my co-host here on the Road of His Overtime podcast. Sean, we have, uh, well, unless we're getting uh, excited for the Pro Bowl this weekend, uh, we have a a week off from actual NFL action before the Super Bowl next week. Um, Is the Pro Bowl something that you like to watch in on, or is it an event that you tend to skip over?
1: Uh, That is not necessarily on my radar. I think the main thing (laughs) uh, any fantasy owners, certainly dynasty owners, are hoping for there is that despite the flag footballish nature of this event, that still no one gets hurt obviously we get guys hurt in practice all the time and and with football having you know so much risk if these guys can get out of this game without suffering injury i think that's the main thing you're looking for
2: yeah it is um you know obviously there's incentives there for the players to try and you know there's certain prize money in that but realistically I think they're all there for to, to kind of have a good time rather than to to play and I think the games a side note but like you said hopefully no injuries come out of it that would be uh, the main positive I'd be looking for as well on today's show we're going to look a little bit about Dynasty trade targets for 2020 uh, an article that Curtis has up on the website, uh, Curtis Patrick that is and we'll be looking through some trade targets so looking forward to going into that because it gives us a little bit of an insight into strategy we'll be looking through that and seeing who we might target and who we might not be targeting and what we agree with Curtis Uh, usually I tend to agree with uh, nearly everything that comes uh, from Curtis so it'll be interesting to see if we can find anything today uh, maybe that we'll have some discussion back and forth on Sean so I guess we'll we'll dive straight into it um, and look at the first target that he's up here and this is a player Sean who when we were at the I would say a couple of weeks into the season um, maybe even at the halfway season if we had a thought that he was probably somebody we could be trying to acquire uh, might have been something that we would have found maybe not as positive as we have at this stage because uh, the player we're going to talk about is Cooper Cup of the the LA Rams and uh, at that stage of the season he was really dominant and we were talking about just how good he was Um, he was the lead target in this offense everything seemed to be going well and then obviously you know, there was the injury concerns around him there was a couple of games where there wasn't many targets coming his way and obviously that has diminished his value uh, a little bit here as we move forward um, into the 2020 season he is obviously a player who came into the league um, a little bit older and that was one of the big knocks on him coming into the league was his age obviously when we're looking at dynasty we're gonna have to factor that in but what's your thoughts on uh, Cooper Cup here as we head head into the season Uh, of course we probably have some concerns as well about how things went in terms of Sean McVeigh, did did other coaches figure out what he was trying to do in terms of his scheme? Uh what happened with Jared Goff? You know, there was definitely a a decline there in terms of what his overall production was. So how does that all factor in as well with uh Cup's performance kinda of in that second half of the season versus the first half of the season?
1: Certainly we've seen again in the playoffs here that these very top quarterbacks you have someone like Patrick Mahomes and the floor for the players in those offenses is so high whereas you look at the Tennessee Titans for example and and A.J. Brown who was our number one ranked player in terms of the recent exercise we did with redrafting the 2019 rookie draft. And then you watch those playoff games and see how that Titans offense performs both in their wins and in their loss. And you look at Ryan Tannehill and not that he was a disappointment in the playoffs. Obviously he was part of what they did in pulling those two upsets, but Brown, you know, not able to maintain the same level of dominance that he'd had to finish out the regular season. And I think that at least opens up a little bit of concern about what their offense will be like in the future That brings us back to the Rams and the questions that you asked, because I think there are really two issues that we're dealing with here. One is Jerry Goff and really his travails again in 2019 after having a weak finish to the 2018 season. Not exactly looking like a franchise quarterback at this point, perhaps not having problems to the same level as a Mitchell Trubisky, for example, but someone who doesn't look like a kind of guy that you want to rely on for uh, providing multiple receiver options. Obviously, Brandon Cooks with a very, very poor season. The other element that we saw here was the increase in the the two tight end – Formations as we went along the season, we saw the injury to Gerald Everett, but with that the emergence of Tyler higby and so you got some tight end options in the receiving game for this team, and they really seemed to go in a different direction with their offense down the stretch it wasn 't a direction that was very favorable for fantasy owners, and so I think that creates some uncertainty as we move forward, and that uncertainty was definitely reflected in the polls that Curtis did, where he found that the dynasty community prefers Odell Beckham at a two to one clip to cup. They prefer the one Oh four pick in this upcoming draft uh, by a three to one margin. And so you've got this player who has established himself as an elite fantasy wide receiver. And now you have this little bit of a downstretch, this opportunity to buy. And so one of the things that Curtis mentions is that collecting the top slot receivers in the game has really been an easy way to get elite production. You've got guys like Jarvis Landry, Julian Edelman, uh, late career Larry Fitzgerald, some of those guys playing the slot in Seattle there with Russell Wilson. And perhaps because of the perception of these players, they didn't cost what their production justified. And so this is really the, question that Curtis is posing to us is what would you be willing to trade? Now, he throws out some of the trade ideas that I think are kind of interesting here. He says that a couple of late 2020 first round picks probably would get the deal done, and you might even be able to get a future second back, uh, a 2020 pick in the 103 to 106 range, or an Odell Beckham might get the deal done, again, perhaps getting a little bit back, and then perhaps a Julio Jones, who had the big receiving numbers again this year, not quite to the level that he's had in some seasons, and now starting to get older, certainly Atlanta, having some potential turnover types of issues and a real question of what they're going to do with that team and that offense. So are there any of those trades in particular that jump out to you as ones that you would definitely do, or do you have a a different trade that you prefer for Cup?
2: I think out of those ones, I, I certainly would be involved. You know, in t- terms of talking about the the picks, uh, moving those into you know changing them into Cooper Cup, for example. In terms of Odell, I think that's a difficult one. I still would be pretty positive that we'll see uh, Odell Beckham. You know, bounce back. I know he changed teams this year. There was so many issues with that team, both from an offensive play call perspective, with Baker Mayfield's performance, just with how everything shook out there in Cleveland, I do I do th- still think uh, I would be giving it one more year to, to turn around there for Beckham, so I'd be holding on. Uh, in terms of Julio, Julio is the one that, uh, you know, it always pulls at my heartstrings. I, I never think that I could part with him uh, in terms of what he does each and every year. That one, based on the age, is, is very, very intriguing. I think I would still be... Um, on the the Julio side. I think it'll be like sixty, forty 40 uh, towards Julio Jones. But I think it's, you know, getting closer and closer now. I did mention as well, you know, the age when, when Cup came into the league. Now in terms of his age at the moment, he will be twenty seven as we head in to uh, next season uh, birthday in the 15th of june so he'll be 27 years old but you know that that there means he only has 3 years of nfl experience but you know i mentioned this year finishing off kind of, and it almost seems like it was a poor per season in the end of it for him based on how things went but you know he had uh, his most touchdowns of the year he had before this year he had 3 100 yard games this year he had 5 100 yard games uh, he had 94 receptions in the year. His previous best was as a rookie. He had 62 receptions. Uh, he had 40 more targets this year than he had in any other year of his career. Like they're, they're, If you look at the the, the trajectory of his uh, you know career outside the last year with the injuries where he was trending to have a, a better season than he ended up with this season, You know, there's a huge amount of positives for a player heading into his fourth year in the league. And I think that is becoming overlooked. Like If you look at that mid-season run, Sean, that I was talking about, Really up until their bye week, uh, the issues then started with you know with the Pittsburgh game. Uh, he ended up then he had back to back games with four targets, three targets, and then the targets tailed off. But he did finish the year with a touchdown and five. Uh, out of five games to finish it off over those last five weeks of the season, but at the start of the season, you know, if you look at some of the numbers, uh, he was pretty much uh, above double-digit targets in the majority of his games. Um, he was having over a hundred yards. Like I mentioned, those five one hundred-yard games, they all came before week eight of the season. That finished up with a game where he had ten receptions for two hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown against Cincinnati. So there's just so many positives there, but they did happen in that first half of the season. And I think if you flipped around the season where he had that first half and the second half, uh, or vice versa, the, the, the value that would be on Cup at this point would be um, you know, a lot, lot higher. Do you agree that the second half has tapered off that expectation? And you're know, looking at the numbers, it even surprised me to see that he had a touchdown in each of the last five games of the season too. So not as much of a downside to the, the finish of the season as you might expect based on, I think, where his reputation currently
1: is. Definitely. And the other thing that you mentioned there is simply that the – opportunity here based on the lesser involvement down the stretch might be an opportunity that you don't get again for two or three seasons. One yeah. of the things that you can find out by, you know, pulling up the road screen or playing with some of the projections in there, looking at how uh, the stats and the stat splits affect what your expectation is for scoring in the following season is that if you were emphasizing the way a player scored down the stretch, that's actually going to hurt you in terms of projecting their next season performance, as opposed to simply looking at the full year, which perhaps we shouldn't be surprised by because the full year gives us a larger sample gives us a better feel for what the player can do. I think that the complicating factor here is that owners are not just looking at the results. They're not just looking at the volume represented in targets or snaps but they're looking at this scheme and thinking that it may go in a different direction and certainly if you are the third receiver in many of the formations and those types of plays are diminishing then that raises a red flag the other side of that is simply that if you look at Robert Woods and where he was at midseason in terms of value and then where he is at the end of the year with that super hot stretch to finish is very very different and I think that where we are with cup now is where we were with woods at that point, where if you are to sell now as opposed to buying, then you're going to sell at the same point that if you had sold with Robert Woods, you would have lost a lot of money, obviously. And as you look to the 2020 season, I think a coaching staff of this caliber is going to go back is going to find the things that worked is going to develop new things that will work in the future. And I think big picture it's more of a positive than a negative that they found that their tight ends can play. I think it'll make the offense better. I think that when they move into a post Todd Gurley environment, you know, we don't know how soon that will happen, but certainly (laughs) Daryl Henderson owners are looking for that to happen sooner rather than later, perhaps some more passes to the running backs and an offense that maybe looks a little bit more like the one that the Chiefs and the 49ers are putting out there. And I think that when you look at, at that type of potential development and simply look at from the perspective of this guy is a star as opposed to you know how is he going to work in this particular scheme, which is something that we don't know as much about. We do know that he's a very, very good football player, and that's probably the big picture portion that you're wanting to emphasize here. Now, the other side of the trade for me is simply that I do like taking someone like this and turn them into multiple players. And I think that occasionally when someone has a little bit of a downstretch, then if you're an owner of cup, you're going to have people coming to you wanting to make offers, seeing if you'll sell low. And even if you're not actually going to sell low, just that perception uh, creates a little bit more, uh, fluidity in terms of how you can approach the market looking at some other guys you know Odell Beckham is someone that we mentioned here as a potential trade option for him Beckham is someone who in one of my main dynasty leagues I turned into Calvin Ridley and Mike Williams before this past season trying to get the two for one and I think that there are opportunities to do two for ones where you're actually getting the worst players in trades and you're getting a wider range of outcome type of player. But as you build your roster and take some of those younger guys, that those wider range of outcomes are occasionally going to pay off for you in such a big way that you end up winning the trade, even if you're getting rid of the better guys. And I think that that's something also that can happen with these rookie picks. And so certainly, especially in a draft as potent as this draft, that you might want to be aware of how those multiple picks might play out for you. And we discussed a little bit of that on the show earlier in the week, how at least at this point, it looks like a late 2021st may be pretty valuable. And so I think that's the interesting part for me in terms of both buying and selling. Someone like Cup is the kind of guy who you would be looking at in your leagues to go both directions on just depending on what other things are out there in that particular league for you.
2: So just before we get into the second half of the show, I just want to let you all know about our 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass available right now as a loyal podcast listener. That is available through the Rotoviz NFL podcast homepage, which is roto forward slash podcast. Get ready for the NFL draft coming up. Get ready for your fantasy drafts. Get ready for the entire 2020 season and bring your game to that next level with our unlimited access to all of the NFL content and tools up on the site. So I really, you know, we'll be... be promoting this all off season long i really think that now is the time to get in ahead of all of your league mates because you know there's no doubt that you're getting an advantage if you are a subscriber to the Rotoviz site get that amazing value and support the podcast network once again that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so Sean, jumping into the second half of the show, um, there's two players here that we've touched on quite a bit throughout the season. You, I, I would nearly say that one of them could potentially be one of my <laughs> kind of favourite players uh, in terms of this class uh, from last year, and uh, one of them may be your favourite player. And the one that I'm going to come up here for first is Terry McLaurin off the the Washington Redskins, and uh, I, I've talked about him. Quite a bit at length this year, uh, in terms of what I would give for him, and what I, you know, last year just seemed to be such a, a great piece of value if you did end up drafting him in that uh, rookie draft class. But when you look at it, Sean, there's a, a couple of trade offers that have been suggested here by Curtis. There's the 2020 picks uh, and the 106 to 110 range. Carry on, Johnson is one that's mentioned. David Montgomery is one that's mentioned. Adam Thielen, who again is a, a veteran Asian receiver, where um, obviously that's going to come into thoughts uh, in your dynasty leagues. Now, there's a couple here that I really, I don't know what you think. I don't really think that you could get Terry McLaurin for David Montgomery. And I really think with Adam Thielen's age and his kind of injuries that are starting to rack up on him at the moment, I don't know if you could get him straight up for Adam Thielen. If I could do either of those, I definitely would do it. Um, I, I do like On Johnson, but I still think I would rather the McLaurin side, so I'd go for that. It gets interesting then where you go to the, the 106 to 110 range, but I, I think I would still be rather in McLaurin than than all of those kind of trade offers that are there. Is there, is there a range where you'd be willing uh, you know, to to say that you'd rather the opposite side to Terry McLaurin, or would you be wanting to to get him at all those kind of suggested offers? And where do you think his, his value stands at the moment?
1: I find this very interesting because Curtis definitely uh, has even much more interaction with the dynasty community than I do, and if he's making these trade offers as things you would consider, then, you know, he knows that in some leagues and... Uh, in some discussions, that these would be in the ballpark, and I think that's exciting, right? Because when we did the redraft, we had McLaurin at the 102 <laughs> and Montgomery at the 203. So we have them, um, and and that was my redraft scenario. Certainly, when you and I talked about it, and we did uh, sort of a, a similar mock example of that on the show itself, you know, you were right in that same range. So we have a huge gap between those two guys. And so certainly if you could turn Montgomery into this young receiver, I think, uh, you know, that's definitely a no brainer. It's not to say that there's no risk with the receiver or that Montgomery might not emerge, but right now they're very far apart from me. And like you said, the same thing with Adam Thielen, where the uh, injury situation, the age situation, not that he is necessarily going to retire, but there's so much risk of different types when you start to get into the portions career that he's in, and then you add the fact that the Minnesota Vikings, you know, if they could do that same uh, approach that we saw from the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, where they only throw it, you know, eight times, uh, really all season, <laughs> that would be their preference. Which uh, certainly could very well be a different story in 2020. But it's a risk that you have to take on if you're going to make a move for him right now. Uh, I think if you can get rid of him for a young star, that's definitely what you want to do. We've mentioned on the show that. Uh, I moved him for Cortland Sutton and Mike Williams uh, before the season when, you know, he was at his very height. Certainly I think that if you could still move him for value considering what went on in 2019, that you would do that. Carry on Johnson, very interesting. Uh, But that, that Lions team, I think so tricky. I do think there has to be some encouragement with what the Lions did in the passing game that that'll actually open things up for carry on Johnson he'll have more receptions and he could be a high touchdown sort of player. He fast forward to 12 months from now and told us that that Lions offense had actually turned into a juggernaut and that Johnson was among the league leaders in, you know, goal line touchdowns. Uh, that would be a little bit of a surprise, but certainly I don't think it would be something where we'd say, no, that's, you know, you're definitely making things up. That's impossible. Johnson has you know, that type of, of ability, the offense with Matthew Stafford and what we're seeing from Kenny Galladay has that ability. So that's probably a closer one there. Those 2020 picks I think are interesting because McLaurin has basically already done what we would be so delighted if any of those early wide receiver picks could do this year. Now, perhaps you're looking at a little bit of a different floor when you look at where they're drafted. But I think Washington already knows what they have. In this receiver, if they could go back and they had to pick him in the first half of the first round, I think they would do that. I mean, he was that good. And, you know, you look at those Alabama receivers, you look at a CD Lamb, and you say they could become that. And maybe it's more likely than not that they will. But there's certainly also all of that scenario where, you know, they end up with a bad team, they end up not being quite as good as people think it'll be interesting because some of these top receivers are playing in very potent offenses and may not turn out to be quite the level of athlete that their college uh, results would suggest. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be very, very good NFL players. We talked a lot on the show that athleticism is not a very good indicator of NFL performance at the wider receiver position. But when you're talking about guys who might be a little bit smaller, might be a little bit slower than, Their numbers suggest, and then you look at the bottom half of that first round really, the range that uh, Curtis is suggesting for McLaurin here you might have some guys who are actually a little bit more explosive than their numbers suggest. So, I think here that you might have to pay with a higher pick, and I think I would be willing to pay with a higher pick. The real question there is once you get into the range where the very top running backs are going to go. That might be difficult for certain owners based on their particular roster. But outside of the top two picks in this draft, I don't think you can go wrong getting McLaurin.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I would have said I would have given like that 104 range would be where I would say his value should be. Um, I'm wondering, just looking through it, you know, in terms of maybe because I like him so much, because I've talked about him so much, maybe it's kind of my expectation of where his value would be might be actually higher than it actually is. So that's something that I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into and and do some uh, test offers Uh, this week to see if we can get some more of him uh, on on our rosters but when we look through it Sean I I think there's a situation you know you've you've talked many times about the uh, the second year uh, quarterback you know the step forward they can take in that second year and if you look through you know he he had part of a season uh, with that quarterback this year you know the rookie quarterback and uh, he's obviously going to have a situation where that should improve and the team should be generally moving in the, the right direction. So there's a lot of things that could go com- completely correct for Terry McLaurin this season, uh, you know, in terms of the situation. It wasn't the ideal situation, so he's really uh, developed well for where we would have expected him to, to be at this stage. So I would certainly be going and putting those offers out for him as an exciting young wide receiver. Uh, the third target here is McCall Hardman, um, somebody who hasn't got a huge amount of usage this year, but when he has got uh, usage, he's showing just how explosive he can be um, what what's your expectations for him? Is he somebody that you would be would be going out and proactively making those offers to get on your roster?
1: Definitely. Curtis points out that there have only been 13 rookie wide receivers who were top 100 picks uh, since 2000 and have posted 40 or more receiving fantasy points over expectation. We talk on the show from time to time about how that efficiency actually bodes very, very well for future breakouts. And the list of guys who have done that in the past is just a who's who of second year superstar. So Hardman, a little bit different situation because of the extreme lack of usage this year. And that I think, especially in the context of him not being a very productive college player for his speed and draft position, you know, raises perhaps a little bit of a red flag, but also it's a situation where the Chiefs could move on from some of those other guys who are in his way. And the upside is so immense that he becomes sort of the guy where I think Heading into 2020, I'll probably have him on almost every roster, in part because that usage, I do think, maybe unlike the last player we talked about, creates a scenario where he's going to be pretty gettable, right? A lot of owners are going to look at this and say, well, even if you get rid of a Sammy Watkins, even if you get rid of a Demarcus Robinson, you're still dealing with an offense where they'll probably add at the running back position and have more of the overall pie split off in that direction. And then beyond that, you have Tyreek Hill and you have, Travis Kelsey and so to really make a dent in what those guys are doing maybe you have a little bit of a low ceiling in terms of full year touches obviously in any individual game he could get that long touchdown I think maybe even create a frustrating dynamic over here playing him in all the wrong weeks and so those are some things that make him more available perhaps at least in some leagues than some of these other guys talking about 2020 picks in the 109 to 204 range uh, or Robbie Anderson, Devontae Freeman, and Marlon Mack? Would any of those guys be off limits in a trade for Hardman?
2: I don't really think so. I think like uh, Marlon Mack's probably out of those guys, uh, out of the picks probably, that would have the most value. I think he would provide more value than Anderson or Friedman. Out of the three players, I would like Anderson more. But I think in terms of trade value, uh, Marlon Mack, I think would certainly uh, be somebody who would allow you to get McCall Hardman. Now, I, I think the interesting thing here is when you look at it, when you look through... His game logs, uh, you mentioned about you know the possibility that he could have those weeks where it's frustrating and you have him on your, your bench and then the weeks that you have him starting uh, and vice versa. Now, if you look at his game logs this season, there is a chance that some of those owners out there that do have him may be frustrated on his season usage like there's there's like a good few weeks in there with zero targets uh you know there's a few weeks in there with one target uh, and that can be frustrating for a for a fantasy owner and it really like down the back half of the season uh, you know that's where his his opportunities were capped and basically if you look through it he only had one week out of the last uh I'm looking here now, six weeks above uh two targets, and that was one week with two, the rest had one or less, and they had one week with four. So there is that, you know, thing to, to look into here. Maybe owners could be a little bit frustrated and you know put out those offers. But the other thing to note is, you know, Sammy Watkins could be cut before the season it would create uh, a lot of cap savings but it would still have a dead cap to go with it so it's it's hard to know if that one will definitely happen but demarcus robinson who had 55 targets this year which would have been a 10 percent market share is an unrestricted free agent after the season so if he was even to leave um, and watkins had an 18 percent target share so if the two of them left there's 28 percent there obviously they'll take in players to uh, have that go around but there's an opportunity there for Hardman's role to grow quite considerably, and you know when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, like I I keep touching on McLaurin his situation at quarterback and how that might work out, might not work out. Like if you've Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, that situation can't work out any better for a wide receiver. So uh, exciting times there um, for. Hardman but I do think there's an opportunity there to go in and get him based on how his season ended with those targets and with that usage so I would be definitely uh, going in do you think do you think there is a possible limit like what I said with McLaurin uh, our expectations for Hardman as well might be higher than what some owners would be expecting you know based on how his season has finished off he did have the explosive plays but in terms of uh, consistent fantasy production there might be frustration there?
1: There might be, I think the other, the fly in the ointment always with these trades and with uh, talking about them in a vacuum, you know, doing Twitter trade offers, you know, talking about them in forums, uh, Slack channels, that type of thing is that most of the people weighing in on the trade are not people who are thinking about that in terms of owning them in any particular league, right? In, In any particular league, only one of the 12 owners owns the particular guy whom you want. And so in almost all of those situations, that was the guy who liked the player the most of the 12 owners to start with. Now there are some exceptions there. Because most of these leagues are not auctions but drafts, you have a situation perhaps where someone occasionally is forced to pick a player they want to later than trade, or to pick a player where you know they had a real tear break right before their pick. And so there's some frustration or disappointment with landing that guy. And then If you were frustrated to start with and Hardman had this kind of season, then certainly you are the person that uh, get those trade offers too. But the problem is just that in both cases, both sides of the scenario, the owner probably likes the guy more than the general community. And so when you're then having to craft a trade in a situation where both owners are higher on their guy than the community at large, it, it makes it difficult to make trades work. And, and that's the kind of thing that sticks on all of these. So I think that even though you and I are probably higher on Hardman than the community, the question then becomes, are we higher on Hardman than the person who originally drafted him <laughs> a season ago, knowing that he probably wasn't going to get a huge amount of work as a rookie. Now, if you drafted him in this time period where you thought that Hill was going to be suspended or cut, it could be a very, very different story. And that's maybe the other dynamic that comes into play here, where some of the drafters thought they were going to get Tyreek Hill's target share as a rookie. Obviously, that was the opposite of of what actually did happen. And so Hartman is the guy to go after, to go after, to go after. And one of the things that I would do is to try and make him the second piece in a huge trade. The thing that I've always found, and this may be unique to uh, the types of trades that I like to put together and what I find easiest to do, kind of going back to the psychology we mentioned a minute ago, where people tend to be higher on their guys than everybody else is. But in order to make these trades work, I think it's helpful to make the trades fairly large and include someone valuable on your end. Right, The thing that I think makes it difficult for most owners to get trades done is that they consider certain players on their team to be foundations and pieces they don't want to move, when in reality those are exactly the guys you need to move to continue growing your team because they're the players who will facilitate trades. So if you have a top 10 or a top 20 player and there is a player who's worth just a little bit less on another roster, then... You can craft it as really just a more or less even swap and then pull in that second player. So even if Hardman is your actual target, the trade may need to happen through the higher profile guys. And you get Hardman then as the second piece. In many cases, that's much easier than trading one for one or trading picks, you know, that kind of a move, because people are willing to listen to an offer if you're willing to include a top 20 guy. And, and that's the way that I start off so many of my different trade proposals is just showing this willingness to include a player that I do know there will be some interest in, as opposed to starting it off with a bunch of smaller offers that I don't know will gain any traction. And perhaps that would help you acquire Hardman in some of the leagues. So in terms of trade ideas, those are some of the things that I might look to do if you want to get Hardman. Again, it'll be very interesting to see what Hardman's value actually is this offseason
2: yeah it's gonna be very interesting i think that's a a nice piece of strategy there from the the trade offer perspective to to wrap things up on but three players i think all three of them are definitely on my target list here as we as we get ready and maybe if you are looking for coleman uh, or for hardman sorry uh, we'll uh, try and get those offers in in case he has uh, a big a big uh, play a splash play in the super bowl which would definitely increase uh his, his value moving forward uh, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show we will be back next week with another show if you didn't hear the show at the start of the week be and head back and check that uh, out and uh, give it a listen my name as always is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to And my co-host is sean siegel and until we're back with another edition have a good one